You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Genesis chapter number 38 and verse number 24, the Bible says, And it came to pass about three months after that it was told Judah, saying, Tamar, thy daughter-in-law, hath played the harlot, and also, behold, she is with child by whoredom. And Judah said, Bring her forth, and let her be burnt. And when she was brought forth, she sent to her father-in-law, saying, By the man whose these are, am I with child? And she said, Discern, I pray thee, whose are these, the signet, and bracelets, and staff? And verse 26, And Judah acknowledged them, and said, she hath been more righteous than I, because that I gave her not to Sheila, my son, and he knew her again no more. Genesis 38, uh, this probably was not the best planning on my part to preach this on time change Sunday, because I'm afraid some of you are tired. Now, I'm feeling good, and I asked the early service how they were doing, and they felt good. Most of them get up at 5 o'clock every morning, so they were doing just fine but I'm going to need you to think, and I'm going to need you to engage uh, this morning, and I hope you do that every Sunday morning, but a little more so this morning, because we're going backwards in our lesson. We've, we've gotten up to the edge of chapter 45, and now we're going back to 38, and I've been telling you we're going back to this, but the reason is I want to talk to you, and I want to show you some lessons this morning from the life of Judah. Now, we're talking about Joseph, right? Joseph had his brothers, Benjamin, and then he had the other uh, 10 brothers that were um, the sons of Jacob. And those brothers, they did not like Joseph very much. As you know, they sold him as a slave and they wanted to kill him. And now they've come to Egypt and uh, now uh, they've gotten food and they've gone back to their father. And now they have to go back again because they're out of food. And their father, Jacob, said, you can't go back because I'm not sending Benjamin. You remember that story? And Judah spoke up and said, Dad, I will take responsibility. I'll make sure that Benjamin comes back safely. So they get to Egypt, and when they get there, they get their food, and they have a meal with Joseph. They still don't know that Joseph knows who they are, but they don't know who he is. And they're on their way home from that, and in Benjamin's sack, it was filled to the top with food, but there was also the silver cup that belonged to Joseph. And the, the soldiers overtook them. They found the cup in Benjamin's sack, and the, the brothers panicked. They said, what are we going to do? They took all of them back, and the, uh, Joseph said, I'm keeping Benjamin. He's going to be my servant. And Judah spoke up, interesting, and he said, you don't understand. He said, I've got to take Benjamin back. If I don't take Benjamin back, my dad he will die. He will die of a broken heart instantly. He, you can't do this. You don't understand. And, and it was at that point in that conversation that chapter 45, Joseph breaks down and then he tells his brothers, he says, I am Joseph. And we'll get into that next week. But I want to bring you back to chapter 38 because this is a story in the middle of all of this story about Joseph. This is a story about Judah. Judah was the fourth born son of Jacob. The name Judah literally means praise. 
as in praise to God and praise to the Lord. And that's what all of our lives ought to do, right? That's why we're here is to praise and honor and glorify the Lord. But that was Judah's name. His name means praise to the Lord. But we see in chapter 37, Judah did not live up to that. He spoke up and sold his brother as a slave to the Ishmaelites. And then we get to chapter 38. And it says in verse 1, it came to pass at that time that Judah went down from his brethren and turned into a certain Adolamite whose name was Hira. And Judah saw there a daughter of a certain Canaanite whose name was Shua, and he took her and went in unto her. And she conceived and bare a son, and he called his name Ur. So Judah leaves his brothers and he goes down and he marries a wife and they have a son, son number one, his name was Ur. Then it says in verse number four, she conceived again and bare a son and she called his name Onan. So that's the second son. Verse number five, and yet again she conceived and bare a son and called his name Shelah. And he was at Chezib when she bare him. And Judah took a wife for Ur, his firstborn, whose name was Tamar. Now, it's interesting that, um, that Judah was actually involved in the selection process for his son's wife. And that was customary, especially in Bible time. So he picks a wife uh, for his firstborn son, Ur, and her name, the wife's name, was Tamar. And the Bible says in verse 7, And Ur, Judah's firstborn, was wicked... In the sight of the Lord, and the Lord, what's that next word? Slew. God killed him. Now, the Bible doesn't say what Ur did. It doesn't say how many times he did it. It doesn't say how many times God warned him. It just says that he was wicked in the sight of God, and God killed him. Wow. Now, you say, well, pastor, whew, I'm so glad this is Old Testament. Yeah, me too. But I got news for you. God is still a holy God. He's still a righteous God. He is still a pure God. And you get into the New Testament, and we see that some of this stuff happened in the New Testament too. Remember the names Ananias and Sapphira? Remember those names? The Bible tells us that they came before the apostles. Everybody was given, uh, selling their land and giving all their money for the gospel to be preached. And they came forward and they said, hey, we sold the land and here's all the money. And Peter said, is this all the money? And I said, you better believe it is. And boom, God killed him on the spot. And Peter said, why would you think that you could lie to the Holy Ghost? Whoa. Sapphira, his wife, comes in a little later and he asks her the same thing. She says, yep, that's exactly what happened. And boom, God killed her. Now, I'm not, I'm not suggesting that you have to walk around every step and be, oh no, what's God? I'm not saying that. I'm thankful God's a God of love, aren't you? God's a God of mercy and God's a God of grace. But I'll say this, we need to get back to holy living. We need to get back to righteous living and we need to get back to doing those things that please our Father. God killed Ur for his wickedness. Then in verse number eight, and Judah said unto Onan, go in unto thy brother's wife and marry her and raise up seed to thy brother. Now, this was a, a definitely an Old Testament custom. It later became Old Testament law when the law was given. But when a brother died without having children, then his brother would go in and would have a, a child with that brother's wife so that their, their name and their line and their heritage could live on. Well, the Bible tells us that 
Onan, he said, oh no, I'm not doing that. I, I want nothing to do with that. And the Bible tells us that God killed him on the spot. So now, first boy's dead, Ur. Second boy, Onan, he's dead. Then the third boy, Shelah, he's not old enough to be married yet. But Judah's thinking, um, I'm not sure I want my third son to marry Tamar because so far, I've got two boys dead. They either were married to her or were supposed to be married to her. And Judah promises to Tamar, he says, when Shelah, when he is grown, I'll give him to you, he'll be your husband and, and all that. But he makes a promise. Well, meanwhile, we get down to verse number 12 and it says, in the process of time, the daughter of Shua, Judah's wife, died. So Judah, that's Joseph's brother, that is the father now of these three boys and the father-in-law of Tamar, Judah's wife dies. And he goes uh, to visit where his his sheep shearers, his workers were, where they were uh, gathering the sheep, and he goes off. His wife has just died. And the Bible says that he finds a harlot, a prostitute. But it wasn't a random person. She was disguised. Guess what? It was his daughter-in-law, Tamar. Because she felt like that she had not gotten her promise made to her and that Judah had not given her his third son to be her husband. And so verse 14, she put her widow garments off from her and covered her with a veil and wrapped herself and sat in an open place, which is by the way to Timnath. For she saw that Shelah was grown and she was not given unto him to wife. And when Judah saw her, he thought her to be an harlot because she had covered her face. She was disguised. In verse number 16, he turned unto her by the way and said, Go to, I pray thee, let me come in unto thee. For he knew not that she was his daughter-in-law. Can I tell you, this guy, Judah, his boys were wicked. And now we're seeing in Judah that he is going out and he is being immoral with a prostitute. He doesn't know it, but it's his own daughter-in-law. And in the process of this uh, exchange, the, the, the woman who's Tamar, she says, what will you give me? And he says, I'll, I'll send you a, a kid from the flock. I'll give you an animal. That'll be the price. That's the, uh, that's the exchange for this prostitution. And she says, well, until I get that price, what are you going to give me? He said, well, I'll give you my signet. I'll give you my ring. I'll give you my, my, my bracelets, which were like cords that would go around the neck many times that held the signet. He said, I'll give you my staff. And so she took those things and they were immoral. Here is a father-in-law with his daughter-in-law and he thinks she's a prostitute. It is just, it is vile. It is filthy. It's wicked. And, and, and Genesis 38 is one of those, those chapters that you say, how in the world could someone stoop so low? I want to tell you how. When you get away from God, there's no limit to how far you can go. And you think that'll never happen to me and I'll never do that. Can I tell you, except for the grace of God, we could already be there. And Judah is wicked. And then it, it, it is discovered that his daughter-in-law, Tamar, is expecting a baby. And Judah, he flies off the handle. He's angry. He doesn't know that it was his fault. He doesn't know that he was the one who had that immoral relationship. And he, oh, he... He lays down the law. He says in verse number 24, it came to pass about three months later 
that it was told Judah, saying, Tamar, thy daughter-in-law, hath played the harlot, and also, behold, she is with child by whoredom, by immorality. And Judah said, Bring her forth and let her be burnt. Are you serious? This guy has been immoral, and this guy has been wicked, and this guy has been vile, and now this comes out that Tamar is expecting a baby that is illegitimate, and Judah is the first one to start throwing stones at her. Wow, we'll see in a minute here, but if that's not a case of, of, of wicked hypocrisy, I don't know what is. In verse 25, she was brought forth, and she sent to her father-in-law, saying, by the man whose these are. Am I with child? And she said, hey, you recognize this signet? You recognize these bracelets? You recognize this staff? And wow, I bet you could have heard a pin drop there. Judah is ready to execute her, and he is the one who has been immoral with her, and she's expecting a baby by her father-in-law. How vile, how wicked, how ungodly. Verse 26, and Judah acknowledged them and said, she hath been more righteous than I because that I gave her not to Sheila, my son, and he knew her again no more. Verse 27 to verse 30, there were twins that were born. Perez and Zara were born from Tamar and they were the children of her very own father-in-law. This is the story of Judah in chapter 38. We go from chapter 37 where Joseph is sold as a, as a slave into Egypt and then we get into chapter 39 and Joseph is in Egypt. He is living for God and he's doing what is right and he is staying pure and meanwhile his brother is back home living like the devil. I want to show you this morning some lessons from the life of Judah that I promise you this, if it were not in the Bible, I would not believe it. I want to show you some lessons this morning. Maybe you've seen probably most of you in this room. If you've, if you've heard it, it's been a long time. But it's going to shock you to see what we can learn from this man, Judah. Lord, help us as we look at your word. I've given a very lengthy introduction this morning. But Lord, I feel like it's so important to lay the foundation and to lay the setting down so we understand. And I pray that you'd help us not to miss these truths from your word. Lord, I pray that you'd uh, help us, Lord, now to be... Uh, encouraged and to be edified and to be reproved and rebuked and exhorted by your word. I thank you that all scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's all profitable, Lord, for doctrine and for our reproof. And I pray that you'd help us to learn from scripture today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Very quickly, I must hasten. Number one, I see the carnality, the carnality of Judah. Judah was a wicked, rotten Sinner, And I understand we're all sinners and we all uh, have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But notice with me very quickly, Judah, he sinned against his brother, Joseph. It was Judah who said, let's sell him. Let's make money off of him. Let's get something out of him and, and we'll never, never see him again. Let's get rid of him. That was Judah. It was Judah and his brothers that lied to their father about what happened to Joseph. It was Judah whose sons were so wicked that God killed two of them on the spot. It was Judah's daughter-in-law that was so wicked that she went and, and, and lived like a prostitute and a harlot. It was Judah himself who was wicked that he was immoral with his own daughter-in-law, thinking that she was a prostitute. 
Can I tell you, Judah was such a wicked, wicked, wicked man. The Bible tells us that after his wife died, and by the way, be very careful in times of great sorrow. Be very careful in times of great tragedy. It was during that time that Judah got with an old friend. And it was at that time that Judah went out and Judah was immoral. It was at that time that he put his guard down. I want to say be very, very careful where you go. Be very careful who you associate with, especially in times of sorrow and tragedy. We see the carnality. We, we saw it in chapter 38. It's so graphic. I skipped over some. It's, it's unbelievable just how vile and how filthy and how wicked this man Judah was. Number two, I see the criticism. Not only the carnality, but would you look at the criticism in verse 24. When Judah found out that Tamar was expecting a baby because of being immoral, it was Judah who said, bring her forth and burn her. Now, friend, I want to tell you, I agree that sin must be dealt with. I, I, I believe all that. Don't, get, don't misunderstand me. But can I say this? I would be very careful for all of us. I'd be very careful that we not be so quick to criticize everybody else. You know, sometimes the people that I've known that are the most critical about something in your life or my life, many times they've got the same problems. It's just nobody knows about it. Be very careful about losing your temper over things and be very careful about criticizing this person. Be very careful about, you know, we've all got plenty to keep us busy, keeping our own life straight and keeping our own backyard clean. And we've all got enough just to take care of the person we look at in the mirror. I don't have time to worry about everybody else. And well, I can't believe so-and-so did that and so-and-so said that. Are you kidding me? And then you get all this uh, Facebook drama well, so-and-so said this, or so-and-so said this and meant this. Friend, I don't, I don't know how you have that much time. I've got a lot to do just to be the, the, the husband I need to be and the father I need to be and the, be the man I need to be and to be the pastor I need to be. I don't have time to worry about it, what everybody else is doing. But he was very quick to criticize sin in somebody else's life that was actually in his own life. It was very quick. Many times the sins or the failures that we point out in others are the same ones that we are dealing with. Number three, I see the confession. Judah was wicked. His carnality, he was critical of others. But then I see the confession, verse 26. And this is where I believe things started to change in his life. Because Judah could have done what most people do. And you know what most people do when we get caught or when something comes out, you know what most people do? We blame everybody else. Well, you don't understand. It wasn't really my fault. And I, and no, no, you don't understand what they, I, they, I was with them. You know, and, and we, and we blame and we justify and we cover up. That's not what Judah did. And I understand he was called on the carpet and I know he didn't have a lot of options, but I thank the Lord that Judah was willing to say, it's my fault. I blew it. I messed up. He acknowledged his sin, and the Bible says, and he went into her no more. He decided, I'm making a change. I'm confessing my sin. I'm not living this way. I'm not going back that way. And Judah confessed it. Notice in chapter 44, when he was talking to Joseph, this was later. Genesis 44, when Judah was talking to Joseph, not knowing it was Joseph, he said, what shall we say unto my Lord? 
what shall we speak or how shall we clear ourselves? God hath found out the iniquity of thy servants. Judah said, you know what? You're right. God has found us out. We didn't get away with it. Uh, we didn't get by. We didn't slip by God's eyes. God found out our sin. He acknowledged his sin. You know what we're lacking today so much? People, all people sin. Oh, yeah. But you know what we're lacking? We're lacking people that will just be honest and say, it was my fault. I'm sorry. I was wrong. Will you forgive me? It's been a long time probably since you've heard those words from somebody. You know why? Because we like to smooth it over. And until we get serious and honest with God, there's not going to be a change in our lives. Notice, uh, you don't have to turn there, but Proverbs 28, verse 13. The Bible says, He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. Psalm 32, verse 5, David said, and boy, David was one that knew. He committed that terrible sin with Bathsheba, and then he tried to cover it up, but we get to Psalm 51, and he said, God, would you please forgive me, and would you wash me, and would you cleanse me, and would you make me whole? And he said, God, I confess it before you. I was wrong. Psalm 32, David said this, I acknowledged my sin unto thee. And mine iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess the transgression of my heart. And thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. David said, I acknowledge it. I admit it. I was wrong. And by the way, that's where good things start to happen in Judah's life. He sinned. He was wicked. But he was willing to admit it. And he was willing to deal with it. Now, hang on. We're not done. Number four, I see the change. And the change would not be possible if he was not willing to confess and admit his sin. We see in chapter 43 that he took ownership with his father. He said, Dad, I will be responsible for Benjamin. In chapter 44, Joseph called them on the carpet and, and Judah said to Joseph, he said, hey, listen, why don't you take me instead and let Benjamin go free? Now, what a change in attitude. Remember how many years before, Judah was like, let's get rid of Joseph, let's sell him, let's make money. And now he's telling Joseph, he says, I will take the punishment and I will take the place of Benjamin. I'll do it. Take me instead. What a change. This is when Joseph wept in chapter 45, I think. The reason was because he saw a change. He saw Judah and he thought, this isn't the same guy from 20 years ago. This is not the same brother I remember from back home. God worked a change in Judah. And I want to tell you this morning, and I'm going to say it a couple times because I'm afraid you might not let it soak in the first time, but God can still change people. Let me say it again. God can still change people. God can still change people. And we give up on people. And we think, oh, you don't know so-and-so. And you don't know their dad. And you don't know their family. And you don't know their background. And you don't know. They've always been like that. Yeah, maybe so. And they'll always be like that if they try to change on their own. But you get God in the picture and God can change people. 
and God changed Judah. You say, well, yeah, okay, we see, that was good. Oh, no, 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 we're not done yet. God did something in Judah that you and I would never, ever begin to imagine. But God was the one that had to do the change. You see, this was a miraculous story in Judah to go from chapter 38 to now we get to chapter uh, 44 and we see that he is he's admitting and he's owning up to his faults and his sins. And he tells Joseph, he says, take me and let Benjamin go free. But I want you to notice chapter 49. Chapter 49, and this is after Jacob gets to Egypt and they're all reunited. It's an amazing story, but Jacob calls his sons together. And he says, I want to bless my sons and I want to give them a blessing. Keep in mind, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and now his sons and from his sons, there will be a whole lot. The nation of Israel will come from these boys. But Judah, he gets to Judah in verse number 9. Genesis 49, and he says, Judah is a lion's whelp. From the prey, my son, thou art gone up. He stooped down, he couched as a lion and as an old lion, and who shall rouse him up? He says, Judah's going to be a, a powerful, powerful tribe, a powerful nation. He's going to have the strength and the power of a lion, but it gets better. Verse 10, the scepter shall not depart from Judah nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh come, and unto him shall the gathering of the people be. You say, well, what's so special about verse 10? Here it is. Shiloh. There is a city called Shiloh in the tribe of Ephraim, but that's not what this is talking about. This is talking about a person whose name would be Shiloh. The name Shiloh means tranquil or peaceful. And this name, Shiloh, is literally another name for Messiah. Hang on. Judah? Wicked? Vile? Filthy? Judah that we just read about? And God's going to use him and his family for the Messiah to come and save the world? You talk about a God of grace. You talk about a God of mercy. Nobody would have ever thought that Judah would have a, a, a role like that. Nobody would have ever thought that God could use Judah. Turn with me to Psalm 78, please. Psalm 78. The Bible tells us in Psalm 78 that God selected Judah. It wasn't an accident. It wasn't a mishap. God picked Judah. Verse number 67. Moreover, he refused the tabernacle of Joseph and chose not the tribe of Ephraim, but he chose the tribe of Judah, the Mount Zion, which he loved, and he built his sanctuary like high palaces. Verse 70. He chose David also his servant. Oh, hang on. From the tribe of Judah. There would come the Messiah, and in that line there would come the king whose name was David. And from David there would be given a Davidic covenant, a promise that on his throne would always sit a king, and that prophecy will be fulfilled when Jesus Christ comes back at the end of the tribulation and he sets his feet here on this earth and he sits on the throne and he rules and reigns from Jerusalem. This prophecy was given through Judah. Judah wasn't the firstborn, Reuben. 
He wasn't the second born, Simeon. He wasn't the third born, Levi. He was the fourth born son. But God took an old wicked sinner and God said, watch what I can do with my mercy and my grace. Matthew chapter 1, you're not going to believe this. You say Judah was so wicked and maybe God felt like he made a mistake. Maybe God felt like, you know, well, I can just kind of overlook that and maybe people will forget about it. Notice Matthew chapter 1. We're talking about Judah. Joseph's brother who sold him as a slave and who was wicked and vile in chapter 38 and had a, an immoral relationship with a harlot that turned out to be his daughter-in-law. And two, two tw twin boys were born from that uh, incestual relationship. And now Matthew 1, it says, the book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham begat Isaac and Isaac begat Jacob and Jacob begat Judah, Judas, and his brethren. And Judah begat Pharaoh's and Zara of Tamar. Oh, no way. There's no way. This is the line of Christ. And God not only puts Judah in there, he puts Tamar in there. He lists her by name, and he lists those twin boys who were born from that relationship, and he says, these are the sons of Abraham, the son of David. This is the lineage of Jesus Christ. It's also found in Luke 3, in case you think Matthew 1's a mistake, which it's not, but in Luke 3, again, we see Judah and Pharaoh is listed in that lineage of Jesus Christ. Let's be honest. If we were setting things up, we would have crossed them out. We would have said, there's no hope for Judah. God could use the tribe of Joseph, and God could use the tribe of Levi, you know, the, the, the priestly duties. And yes, God could use some of these other tribes, uh, maybe Ephraim and Manasseh, but oh no, 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 God, God can't use Judah. Oh, friend, you're forgetting about something very important that is true in every one of our lives. And that is that God's grace did much more abound. There was sin. Yes, there was wickedness, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Turn with me, please, to Revelation 5, and this will be the last passage and we'll be done. Revelation chapter 5. We're talking about the tribe of Judah. And here in Revelation chapter 5, we, uh, we see the, the end times and the events that will take place after the rapture and the, 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 the marriage supper of the Lamb in heaven and the seals are opened and the judgments are poured out during the tribulation. In Revelation 5, the apostle John was on the Isle of Patmos and he said, I, see, I saw, verse 1, in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the backside it was sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? And no man in heaven nor in earth, neither under the earth was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. And I wept much because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. And one of the elders saith unto me, weep not. Hey, John. There's no need to cry. 
There's no need to be sorrowful. Don't worry because there is somebody who is worthy. Verse 5, behold the lion of the tribe of Judah. No way. You see, not only would there be a Messiah, Shiloh, that would come and would save the world, but there's a lion of the tribe of Judah. There's a king. There's a king of kings and lord of lords who would come from the tribe of Judah. And that lion will rule and will reign and will conquer. But it's more than a lion. Notice in verse number six, and I beheld and lo in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain. Verse number nine, and they sung a new song saying, thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. Verse 12, saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb that was slain. Can I tell you, from the tribe of Judah, there was coming a lion that would rule, but there was coming a lamb that would be slain, that would be killed, whose blood would be shed so that you and I could have eternal life. And it all came from Judah. Next time you see somebody and you think there's no hope for them, why don't you go back to Genesis 38 and say, oh, I don't know about that. If God could use Judah, he could use that person. How about this? How about the next time we look in the mirror and we've been beat up by the old devil and that accuser of the brethren's been sitting on our shoulder telling us how bad we are and how awful we are and how God can't use us and, 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 and God, can't, God can't use us because of our mistakes and our past and all of our failures. How about the next time you look in the mirror and say, no, nope, I'm not buying it, devil, because I read Genesis 38, and if God could use Judah, God could use me. And friend, I'm thankful for these lessons from the life of Judah. Some lessons of the amazing grace of our almighty God. I'm thankful that from Judah, we have a king, King Jesus, who's coming soon. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.